Orphan Black premiered on March 30th, 2013 on BBC America. Let's put 45 minutes on the clock. Pilot study with Chris and Grimes. They're talking all of your favorite shows. But only the pilot episode that means the first show. In case you didn't know. Never know a show they're gonna talk about. But they're only gonna talk about the first one. And that's the premise behind Pilot Study. Hello and welcome to Pilot Study. I am Chris Lantina and I am your host. And I am joined, as always, by Grimes. Yeah. I'm sitting here on an ultralight beam right now. <laughs> yeah. So is this like taking this 45 minutes to record this podcast? Is this really cutting into your um, your Kanye obsession time? Have you just been fully, fully indebted to him for the last 48 have- hours? I have. I've played the album through six times in its entirety. Right. Um, and I'm just going to keep doing that until basically I have it memorized, and then I'll, you know, rank can, the songs. And <laughs> can we can we cut, can we cut that guy's social media off? Is there a way to just? Like, I wish. Se- is there a way to sever the internet to his house? It's just at the point now where I can no longer defend or excuse anything <laughs> he does except music. But And I've always said, if the music suffers, I'll give up on him. But this album's good, man. Well, kind of unrelated to our topic today, but... Uh, Sorry. No, that's okay. I'm the one that brought it up. It's my fault. But let's, let's, <laughs> let's talk about Orphan Black. So Orphan Do Black it. is the second in our Wrong Side of the Tracks month. And uh, this connection's a little... It's not that difficult to make. I mean, she literally begins the episode on train tracks, so that helps. But uh, the wrong side of the tracks here is we have Sarah Manning, and of course I'll go into a little bit of my synopsis here, entering back into Toronto, which is where this is set. For the longest time, I thought this show was in the UK. Like, the BBC thing, and like everybody, right. everybody has like a slight accent, like they're trying to pull off a British accent, but they can't. But apparently this is set in Toronto. Um, which we'll get to later. So we are introduced to Sarah Manning, um, kind of on the train tracks there, and she is seems like a kind of like a drifter type of character coming back home to reclaim her child, uh, this uh, Kira, who um, is staying with somebody else right now, and, she, and as she's coming back. Now, in this very opening tease, Sarah Manning for some reason walks up to this woman who seems to be having emotional issues and the woman turns around and it looks exactly like her. This woman then steps into a train, is killed, commits suicide, and Sarah Manning makes off with her bag, um, her purse that she left behind, kind of setting up the entire episode of um, Sarah attempting to take this woman's life in a way Mm. and money. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and attempting to get the daughter back so those are really the two main storylines we have is the daughter and the infiltrating of who we find out her name is uh elizabeth childs is the one that looks just like her and so attempting to take over her life and get the money out of her savings account so that she can escape with this previously mentioned child. So that's kind of where it sets us up at. Uh, directed by John Fawcett, who also created the the series. R- written by Graham Manson. And the, the IMDb actually lists 12 writers on the episode. Well, um, wow. But I believe him and Fawcett are the main guys. So it seems like a lot of people took a crack at it. And uh, But those two are really the two main names. So 
I've seen the show. I've seen the first couple seasons. But what were your initial impressions just based on the teaser and kind of those opening minutes that we got? Well, I right away drew a Mad Men comparison. Right. Um, as far as like the Dick Whitman, Donnie Draper scenario. Which the con- I, that, that connection also occurs on a train. Ah. There you go. <laughs> and so I was riding with that. And then I was thinking as the episode went on, how is this going to go wrong? And of course it does, but we can get into that later. Um, other than that, I just kind of thought about ID theft in general. Like it must be a lot easier when the person is an exact spitting image of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that a lot helps. of people are that lucky. <laughs> <laughs> that helps. Um, but I liked it. I mean, overall um, vibe of the show, character introductions, the usual stuff we talk about, I think they nailed it as far as, um, you know how it was shot the 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 camera work and and um city and filming match the i guess vibe that mm-hmm. they're trying to create you know it's not really like the sunny happy situation um the, it's kind of dark the whole time even in the daylight scenes it's always so i raining. thought it was pretty cool it's always <laughs> raining or like <laughs> shitty out which is a definite sad thing i guess for tv and movies yeah, um, so I thought it was cool. If it's raining, everybody's sad. Um, I actually, I actually did a little bit of a deep dive here. I, I went back to the pilot script, and I, I wanted to pull some character description to kind of get what they were going for in terms of uh, the Sarah Manning character, who is also played by Tatiana Maslany. I'm, I'm fairly certain I'm pronouncing that correctly. That's a tough one. Okay, yeah. so they introduced Sarah. She is Sarah, late 20s, a born outsider traveling light probably in flight she dreams like a dog animated her knuckles are cut she takes in the train all those judging eyes sarah carries more than a a trace of working class english accent so again there's that english connection the bbc thing uh and this is north america so they do (laughs) specify so they do specify that it's north america but she carries a little bit of this english accent and again the knuckles being cut um, the born outsider, all that stuff. She's she's got a little Atwood. <laughs> she's very very much an Atwood. She's got a little punk in her style. She's not like um, uh, I don't really know how to describe At- Atwood. Was like a a faux tough guy. That that was his style. Yeah, she, yeah she's yeah. she's more of like a punk. She's real. Yeah, she later wears a Clash T-shirt, which is <laughs> kind of something we'll go off of here in a little bit. But uh, so. Another thing I really, really enjoyed about the teaser is, first off, it's a really, really great, really, really great setup. And the the intro music is, first off, very, like, X-Men-esque, like, the, the intro sequence, that is, with, like, the splitting of, yeah. the splitting of like, genetic material and all of that, which is kind of a tease. Very as sci-fi. To, right, as to where the show goes. The electronic artist who does the music is somebody named Two Fingers. What'd you say? Hmm. Go ahead. I, I was just, I didn't say anything. Oh, okay. I thought you, thought <laughs> you cut in there. No, you're, you're good. Nah. Uh, but the, really, the intro, the sequence itself, pretty unremarkable. It's more so like a get in and get out type of thing, I feel like. Which is, I mean, most intros, wouldn't you say most intros are like 30 seconds or less, minus like Game of Thrones now? Yeah, I would say. They kind of don't do the whole catchy theme song with lyrics anymore. They no. They get through the credits, <laughs> and then you're just in the world. We're gonna we're gonna start writing um, lyrics for like Mad Men, Orphan <laughs> yeah. Black. That'll, that'll be part I would of the actually show. Like to do that, we could see if there is like a jingle, and I'll come up with some lyrics and sing them to the song or something. That'd be fun. But the te- the first five minutes is such a good teaser, and I remember before this episode dropped, 
like before the pilot aired, they dropped these like first five minutes or so and created all kinds of really cool buzz for the show. Um, there's this one moment where she's like looking at the tracks and I think it's before she steals the purse, but I'm not sure where the screen's like pulsating and vibrating. Yeah, yeah. It's like dro- uh, dropping in and out. And again, I think that's kind of a nod to the genetic stuff um, that it's going to eventually go to. Another thing I want to touch on is in terms of like character introduction, Felix, Felix is the kind of like the comic relief side character, yeah. her brother yeah. um, in the foster system, because um, which something that will become important later on. Sarah Manning is a foster child. And so is Felix, who is the one that she's looking to run away with, with the child, him, her, the brother and the child running away, having this perfect life together. But I think the introduction is really handled well in that, it sets up the timeline very organically in that first conversation they have in the bar. Um, Felix mentions that you've been gone for over a year, but he d- it's not like a they have to stop the music and it has to be like yeah. this big moment. It's in conversation. It comes up organically and it sets up the timeline without without having to include like a tons of cl- a ton of clumsy exposition. Right, and it seems then you kind of get that extra layer of her character where this is something that she would do is like take off for a year because she's kind of outside the normal. Like how many people in the world are just going to bounce for for (laughs) 10 months or whatever it was? And then, you know, so I I did like that too. It wasn't clunky. Well, I mean, and the fact that she would do it at any time, it it has to come up organically because it has to be part of, it just has to seem normal both in its place in conversation and in the action itself. Right. Which is which is important for that. I want to talk about Sarah the character real quick because she, she isn't really like a lovely character in any way. She like is thinking about stealing a car. She didn't, you know, the purse. The purse, for example, she didn't really take that bag because she panicked. It wasn't like a panic move. It was no. like it was like a quick thinking thief move. <laughs> right. Like this is a thing I would do anyway. And lucky for me, the person's already dead. Right. So I have no competition for stealing. I can just run away. And it's like a chaotic scene. No one notices other than the cameras, which I'm sure come into play maybe at some point. Because mm-hmm. um, they made a point to show her on the security camera. So why would they do that? Yeah, th- that's cer- that certainly comes into play. Yeah, so that whole thing, like just the the nature in which she takes the bag, I almost feel like she was going to steal from that woman anyways. Yeah, like maybe push her in front of the train. <laughs> like she, she, like she was approaching her, like she was going to do something bad, which mm-hmm. I thought was it was pretty great. What, what that's are, a baller move. What, what are, <laughs> that's a very baller move. What are some other things that you wanted to uh, hit on? Maybe from like the first half of the episode. We'll focus on the first half right now. Well, much like everything um, that the BBC does. Like Peep Show and The Office, um, if they come to BBC America or get Americanized in every way, they usually become 20% worse. Okay. But this seems like for being BBC America, like the over, the British thing isn't totally overdone, but, but it makes things better. I don't, like, what is it about Europe and England in general that's just better? Like, I want to live there. I want to live that life. <laughs> I want like this to be my regular TV. That's what strikes me most. This is a show that was just on television, like their version of NBC, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, well, and like you're seeing nudity, you're hearing swearing. There's like real murder, gunshots to the face. Like it's you know it's like a movie, but you know on television. I know it was BBC America, but still like um, it's it's a lot more. I would guess progressive, not the 
political term, but just like in general, I thought it was a pretty progressively done show. I'm, uh, I, I was trying to like when I watched it, I was trying to kind of pick out what felt so like modern and crisp about it. You know, yeah, I, I think hard that's to put your finger on it. That's very much like a BBC characteristic that these shows contain. Like I was thinking, like a Luther, which I've seen a couple episodes of. I think it, a, a lot of it has to do with like the editing style and the fact that. First off, the editing is just really quick, and obviously that's not a very scientific look at it. But they just operate in a very quick fashion, like technically. There's this strategy they use to change up the figure-ground relationship, which is basically means the ground being the background, the figure being whatever's moving in front of it, where they switch focus really quickly. Like I'm trying to think of a specific example, but like the focus will be on Sarah, and then they'll immediately blur her out and bring the... It'll be like a conversation. And they'll bring mm-hmm. the background into focus, and then they'll they'll do that. It's, instead of cutting, they'll use that strategy to kind of serve as their cuts. But but they still have a very quick editing style, and it's like not even in just like the montages, just in general. Like they get in, they get out, they don't overstay their welcome with like any shots. It's not very um, like we were talking about Mad Men earlier. They really in Mad Men they would really like settle on a scene. Mm-hmm. and kind of let you digest like everything because of the set design it, it doesn't seem like they're super interested in like set design in the show they're like let's just do what we have to do dialogue wise and keep the plot moving right the set isn't as much of a character right um, but i will say i have this thing and when i'm watching shows like this that i call breaking bad anxiety and it's when you're just <laughs> Like, you know that everything means something, and you're constantly sitting on the edge of your seat. Um, and you know, you know everything's going to everything's gonna go wrong, too. Yeah, and you're just waiting for who's going to get that first bullet, or what's going to happen in the episode that's going to F everything up for the rest of you know the season or whatnot. <laughs> and so I get that. Like, I, I could only watch two or three episodes of Breaking Bad in the same day, because by the end of it, you're, I'm, like, sweating, my heart rate's up, like... <laughs> And I got a sense of that um, with this show, too. Just kind of like you're just you know that this lady is trouble from the start and you're just wanting to see how bad it gets and how cool they do it. So I suppose I had that going on. Maybe the right word for it is everything is super stylized. Like even even like when the credits pop up, like they can't just dissolve. The letters have to like spread apart and almost like jeans or something. And then they get to dissolve. Like it has something else has to happen. Like this little technical flourish has to happen before they disappear. There, there is this interrogation scene. That's a really good example. It, it almost sounds like the postal service is scoring this scene with like David Fincher style digital photography. Yeah. And yeah. It's, I can't remember exactly now the interrogation scene that now I'm, now I'm kind of at a loss of which one I think, I think it's the one where it's not before she throws up, is it? What, what, the what one where she throws about? up, it might be, it might be that scene where it's when like, they're when she gets called in for like the tribunal. Yes, um, yes. but she goes into the bathroom prehand and chugs the soap. You know, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know what scene I'm talking about is the one where she's talking with the doctor. That has like oh the, okay, yeah, and the psychiatrist that okay. has the very electronic focus score, and it's almost like it's like half dream sequence, half reality, and that they're superimposing yeah, it, shots and doing all kinds of things. It gets real blurry, um, and then like yeah, the doctor is kind of because you can tell she's feeling not the anxiety of the life she's stealing, but her own like holy shit, I'm in way deeper like, <laughs> than just stealing a purse. You know, now I gotta like. 
come with stories and figure out like you know where the Elizabeth Childs is at and like I do like that um the twist or whatever that she steals the identity of a cop because yeah. that of course adds a hundred more layers of shit to her life that was already bad you know it's the kind of person that doesn't want to see cops ever let alone be one well and then of course it just kind of cascades from there she's a cop and then because they're going to identify the body of the cop, she has to say it's her. And then they have to hold a funeral for her, like Sarah Manning, yeah. that is. And then the daughter thinks that Sarah's dead because the daughter shows up to the wedding. Or not to the and wedding, it's like, the funeral. And this all happens in 40 minutes. I mean, this is, you know. It doesn't feel rushed, though. I don't know. No, like, no, no, no. Sometimes we'll do these pilots and I'll be like, oh, my God. Do they really need to fit all of that in? But... I think it's because everything happens within like a two-day period. Like, there's a lot of events, but like time-wise, it doesn't feel like it. T- it takes right. very long. Right. And of course, you know the the editing style. It keeps just keeps things moving at a really fast pace. There's no long intro. Like they have they have 45 minutes to work with, which I think is enough to do everything that they wanted to do. Um, what, what are some other notes you had that you want to bring up? Um. Well, the the uh, coroner scene when Felix goes Felix to, is getting his freak on. Yeah, he goes. I like how <laughs> the guy hits on Felix. Like anyone in reality would with that job. I mean, it's maybe one of the worst moments of your life when you have to identify the body of a, a deceased loved one. Mm-hmm. And they're just very cheeky about it. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it's, then, it's like it's like a faux British show in Toronto. So every everybody's very cheeky. Yeah, of course. And they have the European mindset, like, nothing's that serious or that bad. Like, whereas with our media, first of all, you would never even see, like, on CSI or, I guess, any comparative show to this. It wouldn't be, you would never see that. They're not going to bring humor probably even into that part. Maybe a little bit on Dexter or something, but not a network show. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like thought that was pretty cool. I thought the corner character was funny, and then they bring back um, Vic the Dick, who we haven't <laughs> yeah, brought we, in. Yet, yeah, but... we haven't talked about Vic the Dick, who enters his first scene by choking somebody. He like yes, by just walking into a man's house and almost <laughs> choking him out. He like well, I'm pretty sure we see his hand first coming into the scene and choking. He enters yeah. the scene in a choke slam, which you know I can appreciate. That's a that's a good move right there. And I, I liked how. Oh, sorry. I, I do that every time I walk into a room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's the first time I came to your house that I did that. Yeah, you just. I'm looking for. An, I'm looking for a neck to choke, man. Uh, yeah, so, but, um, so Vic the Dick is pretty great, and he's the, the ex boyfriend of Sarah, who they had some fight, or I think that it was more so Sarah hit him and took the cocaine that she eventually tries to sell for some cash. I don't th- Before she stole an identity, she was just a simple, innocent drug dealer. <laughs> well, I mean, with Vic the Dick, <laughs> she tries to blame it on him that they had some fight, but I'm pretty sure she just hit him and took the drugs and ran. Right, right. So, and then I like how self-aware he is too. Like Vic the Dick later in the episode, like he's still down. Like Felix still lets him in the house after the, all this shit has happened, and he's like so self-aware. At one point, Felix is like, "Dude, why are you? Why are you such a dick?" He's like, I'm angry. Like, I don't know. I just can't help. Like, you know, how many dicks are really that self-aware that they know the source of their dickness? Well, most of them are. So that kind of humanized them, you know? Right. Most of the dicks, I think most of the characters in TV shows are dicks because they don't get that they are for some reason. Or just most of the people you meet in real life, they just don't get it. 
But I think when you know you're a jerk and you're willing to admit it, that like automatically reduces your dick factor by like twenty to thirty percent. That's my strategy. Yeah, you're still like a seventy percent dick, but not that I like bad. To think I can turn it on and off. Like when it's helpful to be a dick, I have the skill <laughs> there. It's in my tool belt. Have you ever choked? Have you ever choked live. anybody? No, I haven't. Mm. Uh, I've actually never even really been in a fight. Me either. I, I kind of want to get my hands around somebody's neck, you know. I was in the army, <laughs> so I did like hand-to-hand combat training, but it was just more like high school wrestling practice, I guess. And then one time, a kid took my Nerf Turbo football when I had just got it and brought it to recess, and I, I tackled him and like punched him in the face. But I cried. <laughs> I felt so bad. I like felt worse than he did. Uh, so not really a fighter, but you know. I was reminded of The Office in this episode because there's this episode of The Office where Oscar or where Michael's going to sponsor Oscar's charity run. Do you remember this one? Yes, and he doesn't realize how much he offered to give. No, it's like he tries to do a hundred, but it's a hundred per mile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, when she's trying to withdraw the cash, because of course she takes uh, Elizabeth Childs or Beth Childs' ID and tries to get like seventy-five thousand dollars out of a savings account, which she had just set up. So there's all kinds of mystery and like red flags. She, yeah, was she trying to run away? Was she getting it for somebody? Of course, Beth. The reason Sarah's being interrogated as a police officer when she takes that role is that Beth Childs had shot somebody and was being questioned for it and had been on leave. So there's all this intrigue going on. But she goes into the bank and says she's going to sponsor this guy's charity run. And I just thought, make sure that you are figuring out if it's by the mile or in full. because that you know, Yeah, you don't want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that, that could take away a big chunk of your 75 grand. If you if you really right. mess that up, yeah. What if he's like, uh, it's per mile? <laughs> yes, it's a, uh, that a whole thousand scene was per kind of weird. Oh, where she's flirting with him? Well, because the banker. I mean, I guess in real life, when a, a woman is attractive, you are way nicer, and you would bend the rules for her. So that's not that far fetched. But I mean, you can't just like are bankers allowed to just change banking rules like that? And because she had to wait three days to get all the money and a cashier's check blah blah blah, and Mm. she basically bats her eyelashes and is like i'll donate to your next 5k do people Um, use cashier checks anymore like what is the purpose of a cashier check in today's day and age the only i guess a high dollar purchase like if you have money for a car or something you're buying a used car maybe or right something that's like multiple thousands but yeah not often i mean even like at a wedding for all the expensive shit like it's kind of do a regular check from your bank account. So what's the difference between a check and a cashier's check? Maybe I'm just an I think, idiot, but I don't know. I think a cashier's check, the bank has your back more because they know the money's there for sure. Where a personal check, like I could write you a check for a million bucks today and obviously <laughs> you can't cash it, but like I write it to you, you know? I think like the money is for sure there. I mean, I don't know. We're doing pretty well at pilot study, so I could cash it. I mean, I'm rich. I can write million-dollar checks, but I'm saying regular people, um, you might need the bank to have your back. Felix identifying the body is a really great moment. Uh, talking about the smell of death. Uh, he, he says, oh, my, in a really funny way, which I really love. I, yeah. it's a, that, that's a pretty good one. I think like a big part of why this show succeeds and why the pilot is so good is just the energy level. Like All the actors are completely... I mean, this is a lot to throw at an actor in the very first episode. Like Sarah yeah. is playing herself, the street person. Um, a weird and, German. She's playing a weird German. She is playing a 
kind of uptight type of cop, which she doesn't like fully get into, but she dyes her hair and changes her voice a little bit and kind of goes all out. Just, she plays three characters right in this first episode. And between her being completely game to do this and Felix just like having so much energy that he brings to like every, every scene he's in is energetic simply because of him. Yeah. And I guess like the one weak link in that aspect, and Art has a ton of energy. Who's like Beth Childs's um, police partner? I think the really like the kind of the energy deficient portion is Paul. Paul sucked. Yeah, he was definitely the low point of this show. Maybe by design. I'm guessing. Maybe. Like, yeah. Maybe, I don't he, know. maybe he doesn't stick around. Hopefully, she kills him or something. I didn't like him at all. He's like weird. And then the whole sex scene thing that there's sort of. You know, she had to do him to kind of put him at ease, and then he's like questioning her. And I, I don't know. I, like, I guess we could start talking about this. Like, let's say my lady disappears or kills herself on a train, and then <laughs> okay. I come home from a that's business a, trip. That's a bad place to start the day after Valentine's Day, but <laughs> I can nice go with thought. it. Yeah. yeah, I can go with it. So, I'm not like. Hugh Hefner or anything, but I think I could tell the difference between my naked partner, right? That's and what even I was someone say. that looks a lot like her, like even her cousins and stuff that do look like her. You can still tell. Like, are there any tattoos? Are there any scars? Has your life been different than this other woman's at all? That would change your body. Like, they're the same shape. They're the same. Every he kind of notices her hair is a little different, and she's like, "It's wet," and he's like, "All right," and then they just bang. Like, <laughs> Well, no, she, she, kinda... she says she says it's cut and he says it's longer yeah like, and she's like it's oh wet. it's just wet <laughs> and he's like all right well time for some boning in the <laughs> kitchen and then it just like goes and, and he doesn't i guess that just speaks to the male mind like you're not going to question it that much if it's during or right before sex maybe after and but, um, and if it's her and if it's her yeah i mean she is a beautiful woman Very but beautiful. like yes i just found that I could see the partner even like he's a cop, obviously like good detective, all that bullshit. But it's somebody you work with. Maybe you don't notice every single thing about him, but like naked, you're gonna notice something. I was actually gonna say the same thing. Like when, like as soon as like they started doing it, I kind of thought the same thing. I was like, okay, so she could pass it off with clothes and with everything else. But first off, Beth Childs was a runner. They, like, showed her exercising and everything. This girl doesn't seem like she's ran in her entire life except from the police. (laughs) There would be, like, some different, like, muscle definition and everything. And Mm -hmm. I believe they, like, kind of hint at it, but she's got, like, a different, like, birthmark or something that he, like, touches for a second. Like you said, when you're naked, you're going to be able to tell that it's somebody different. But... I guess since I've seen them, I kind of know how it works out a little bit, but it, that that's still like a tiny little plot hole that they could have plugged up. Another thing I want to say about the sex scene, and I think this is a good a good thing about this show, is that they're kind of like you know how they they introduce that she runs away a lot and it's very organic. They also present her in a very organic way. She just seems very real, and you know they're not afraid to like stage her or shoot her in a very human way. She's short. They don't make her seem gigantic. Mm-hmm. You know, she just feels like a regular girl, I guess. And right, I, yeah. I think that's I think that's a, an advantage to her looks in that she's a regular person. She's very good looking. Like, we don't have to harp on the fact that, yeah, she's good looking. But I think just, like, the realness of her makes her incredibly alluring. And um, 
her like improvisation skills are kind of go along with that. Yeah, I would definitely agree with all of that. Like Jennifer Aniston was on Friends because she was good looking, not because she was a good actress. You could probably say the same about Courtney Cox. Maybe they grew into those roles and they took acting lessons and they became trillionaires and got better at it. But like this woman isn't on this show. I don't get the sense because of her looks. Her looks right. are great, right? But she's a good actress, you know, and um, who just happens to be hot, which is great if you want to be an actress, I suppose. But. <laughs> Yeah, they don't, like, make such a big deal out of it. She's hot without it being, like, the only thing about her. Mm-hmm. No, I so agree. I like that. I she just, it just feels organic. Everything, even though the plot is, like, highly, um, not not insubstantial, but just highly, like, um, fantasy-esque, I guess. Like, the, this kind yeah. of thing is just, like, ridiculous. But the way they shoot everybody and present the conversations makes it feel, grounds it a little bit. I yeah, guess it's definitely the best, grounded is a good word. I guess is the best way to put it. Well, I think it's at that point in the episode where we just start bringing up, like, random things and going okay, out that cool. way. So there's, <laughs> when Art, like, shows, because, of course, Art is suspicious and who's the police partner once again, and is following Beth Child slash Sarah Manning. And when he pulls up to the house of Felix where she's going and he's followed them, there's this shirtless fat dude that's like... Yeah, what the hell? Below below their house, like, he has, like, one of those pull-down screen things that, like, closes a store or whatever. And mm-hmm. it's just this shirtless fat dude hanging out, and when she walks by, like, he's done offering up his body, he closes the gate. <laughs> I really laughed yeah, at like, that for some yeah, reason. Yeah, like a man whore? Like, I didn't really get what the point of him was other than just a rant. And if you do walk around cities, you're going to see weirdos. So, I, you know. Right. And I that, guess. That's another I, thing that's just like a realistic detail that kind of, you know. The funniest part of it was, like, there's graffiti right above where this guy was standing that said steam bath. Yeah. <laughs> I thought yeah. that was really good. Um, another thing I wanted to bring up is how Toronto kind of feels like Seattle to me in this show. Like it's the the darkness and the the rain. It's raining all the time, and like the bohemian home of Childs is like it's really modern and you know everything's like perfectly placed. I just I like Seattle as a show setting. I'm watching something called The Killing right now, and it's also set in Seattle. I don't know. I think it's an underrated like television city. I think Grey's Anatomy. Hello. Well, <laughs> I've actually I've never seen Grey's Anatomy. Not even uh, an episode. Lucky you. Lucky you. <laughs> well i mean my life is is there like another city that you can think of that's kind of like an underrated tv city because like toronto and seattle like that cross of like bohemian and hipster kind of feels like one yeah not really any i I can think of a lot more over it like new york god can we have another show based in new york please (laughs) um and even though a lot of shows are filmed in and around la they're not necessarily set there but that's not underrated. I mean, New York and L.A. I would call over. So I, I think you're on to that. Like Seattle definitely has a lot to offer as a setting, you know. And Port- if you want to make a depressing show. Well, yeah. <laughs> Other than Portlandia, I think Portland can suck it. But like, um, I think Seattle offers that. We want to make something dark, dreary, depressing, sad, intense. Like that's a good city for that. I'd like to see like a Rust Belt type of city, like a Buffalo, Cleveland, or Pittsburgh, get like a show and kind of like a, a TV identity. Because I don't think they really have like a TV identity besides other like, than Liz the Lemon Drew Carey show. Well, yeah, Drew Carey, <laughs> which of course was just on sets in L.A. and um, 
the one time Liz Lemon went to Cleveland and 30 Rock. <laughs> yeah, and it was like heaven for her. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Pretty good. I, I'd like for one of those cities, because especially like Pittsburgh with its growth and like a lot of things being filmed there, I think it could pull off like a, a crime show or, you know, something yeah, like that. Yeah, sure. So I, may, maybe one of those cities. And of course, Alaska. We need more shows in Alaska. I mean, come on. Maybe. Yeah, like like what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just throwing random things out there. Okay. So The uh, phone at the funeral thing was pretty weird. We both made a note of that. Like who would And he says Sarah oh, when yeah. he's talking. Like right next to Vic the Dick. Isn't that a red flag? Like Vic wasn't listening. He was too emotional. Yeah, I think they just kind of overstepped like the fantastical properties of the plot. Like yeah. just just for a moment, they're like, "Yeah, we could pull this off. We've been pulling off everything else. We can pull this off." But yeah, so what he's talking about is Felix at this fake funeral for Sarah gets a call from Sarah, of course, because she's like watching it, and he like is walking behind like everybody when they're like reading the eulogy, I think, and he's like talking to her and saying her name and like making snide comments about people. <laughs> Yeah. It was like a little over over the edge for Felix. A little bit. I just happened to notice that. Um, yeah. So what about the ending? The German headshot. Yeah, so what about the ending? What did you think when there was three of them? Well, once there was like... So going back to the Mad Men thing, I, I assumed, yeah, she's going to take this lady's identity, blah, blah, blah. Then you get like this third Sarah... Who you can tell is her mm-hmm. after a few seconds of staring at her. Not right away, which was well done. But um, then I started to think, okay, this is on some sci-fi shit. I'm going to have to watch more and think about how like splitting genomes and foster kids. And are they all twins? <laughs> is, like, is it like a Rick and Morty where there's multiple Sarahs and you're, they're traveling interdimensionally to help her get her daughter, like the daughter thing. So you like, think you think there's something going on with like alternate dimensions? That's yeah, that's your prediction. Yes. Okay. I, I predict that this all comes together somehow. Her knowing, like even Beth Childs is like a version of her that wasn't a fuck up, but then made this huge mistake of like murdering someone as a cop. Um, so I, that's just my dumb prediction. Who knows? I'm usually wrong, especially on shit I've never seen until today. That's uh, um, that almost sounds like a more interesting version of what the show eventually becomes. Well, <laughs> if anyone's listening out there in Hollywood, your boy can write. I, I especially but, like the Beth Childs being like a non fucked up version. That's really cool. I like because that. in all these re- in all these realities, there would be like a successful Grimes, like a yeah. pro athlete Grimes, a drug dealer Grimes. You know, what, what's, in my mind, are you thinking like a bowler <laughs> for the pro athlete? <laughs> Hell no, dude. I always thought baseball because as a kid, I yeah. knew I was fat okay. as an adult. And I'm like, you could play that as a fat guy. You could be like a pitcher or first baseman. Like a John Cruck, you know? Oh, that's a nice pull right there. A little Philadelphia Phillies in the house. Okay. <laughs> Just get hammered and do some chew and play first base, you know? So the ending that Grimes was talking about was we get a third person that is played by Tatiana. And um, it is a German person, and it's somebody that's been calling her the entire episode. Oh, no, sorry, texting her, where are you? And uh, and then she gets killed with a headshot. And there's blood everywhere, and Sarah Manning ah, drives away. Like... And um, then we basically end on her driving away with a dead body in her car. So Yeah, and it was like a Pulp Fiction, like Marvin-style headshot execution in the car, like... Mm-hmm 
blood everywhere. All of a sudden, she becomes Jason Statham behind the wheel of this Jaguar. <laughs> that until that day, she had ne- didn't even know it was her car. I'd be fucking now. Crying. She's like an action fucking driver. I'd be weeping. <laughs> yeah, uh, dude. I mean, I've never even seen someone get shot. Like, let alone in a car four seconds from my face. Like, you know, that was a. But again, it, it's TV. Obviously, it's you got to suspend some of that disbelief. And and it was a fun scene. I think again, like the rest of the show, it didn't feel dumb or shitty or cheesy at all it was like very cool um she gets away she's driving and then um i will say i had a little problem with it visually only because like everything was presented so well visually throughout the the entire episode and i just think that like slowing the bullet down just like that you know how it kind of like slowed the bullet down a little bit so it wasn't like as brutal just her getting shot they like they had to slow it down for some reason and yeah they did kind of take it a little bit just to probably make it, I don't know, a little less graphic. And I think if the, if you're gonna blow somebody's head head off, basically, you just do it in real time and you let that be the shock system for the audience. I think they kind of missed on that one. Um, do you want me to tell you what what the show is really about? And we can bleep it out. And I'm, I'm uh, su- sure. I'm surprised that you like because this is a show that's been like hashtagged to death on Twitter and everything. And Mm -hmm. because there's like a specific hashtag that goes along with the show. And it's also a show that like really has taken hold with like the hot topic crowd. So, oh, okay. Hot topic has done a lot of stuff with it, like toys and again, the hashtag social media activity. But if we can just bleep it out, I'll just say that they are all. Oh, okay. So that's we won't talk any. We won't talk any more about it. I want to bring up one more thing out of the script as we're kind of running out of time here. And I will say that there is a a scene from the script that they didn't include in the show that I thought was kind of interesting. It says, and this is after Beth, Beth slash Sarah, drinks a whole bunch of soap so that she doesn't have to testify at this hearing that she doesn't she doesn't know what to say because she has no idea what happened basically. <laughs> and so she drinks a bunch of soap throws up on the table gets out of it there's this scene right after this says art just shakes his head at her deeply disappointed you swore you were off the meds sarah says i'm a mess what do you want me to say art jesus christ how many pills did you have to swallow to puke all over a disciplinary hearing (laughs) sarah said more than i took i had to drink hand soap too so she admits to art that she drank hand soap and yeah they did take that out there's like this con- there's like this connection between the two because of it art art like actually kind of respects that she did it on purpose to like get out of it because she was freaking out or whatever he he actually he respects that she drank soap and took some pills and threw up and i kind of think that like deepens their bond a little bit in a way that didn't happen it was just him being the pissed black guy Right, and I think that that's unfortunate that they did take that out because in every show like this with like a stolen identity or mistaken or whatever, like we can, I hate to keep going back to this, but like on Dexter, there's this Dokes guy who just knows Dexter's full of shit. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, that's like tension, Dexter has to kill him. And then like on Mad Men, you know, Pete Campbell just keeps fucking with Don Draper constantly. Like, this guy's a fraud, blah, blah, blah. And then he goes and tells the dude, like the boss, and he's like, I don't give a shit, he makes us money. Like, And Don Don Draper has to kill him. Yeah, and Don Draper fucking sets a room of plastic up inside of Sterling Draper Price. <laughs> Chokes but yeah, out. like so that they make. I think it was bad that they made Art kind of like this. You know, he's this real cynical, angry, black, typical character, and like, um, 
yeah, he seems to hate her or be pissed at her or annoyed, whereas this would have shown that, like, hey, I get it, shit's fucked up. And then you could speculate more, like, is he in on this money thing? Why does she have all this money in this account? He finds it in the trunk. Like, what does it all mean? I think this would have helped, like, he might be in on it. Maybe they killed this civilian for a reason. Like, And again, knowing nothing about the show helps my mind to just like you already know everything actually i don't really remember what happens with that storyline but that's a good like those are good questions to ask because that's stuff that does get carried over for sure so but that scene yeah that that was a mistake maybe deleting that it's cool that you did look at the pilot script because that would have been interesting it was interesting let's do a couple reviews because then we can get into just some general tv talk at the very end here so actually just one review but a couple good passages by todd todd vanderwerf from the AV Club, who we who we've definitely referenced a couple times, a really good TV writer if you're interested. So this was the pilot review. He said the characters' motivations are always perfectly defined. I agree with that. The series' central mysteries are at once simple enough to understand at a glance. Just why did Beth do the awful thing she did, kill herself, and gaining complexity over the four episodes sent out to critics. This is just solid storytelling all around, and I think that goes back to why everything just feels so crisp and why they can dump so much info into this first episode. I think he nailed it there. Um, mm-hmm. Was surprised, But I was surprised to see nothing. He wrote nothing about the visual style, so maybe he didn't really... I don't know, maybe it wasn't that impressive to him. I just think it matches that crisp storytelling in such a great way. Um, it doesn't, never seems overdone, which is probably the greatest accomplishment. There's Nothing seems gimmicky. It's just It just right. feels like a modern modern show. Kind of like Sherlock does at times, but that overdoes it at at times as well. So that's another BBC show. So let's uh let's just do some standard TV talk. I don't know if you've been watching anything new. I know that you were doing Rick and Morty. Um, is there any, anything else that's been getting on your radar? Or anything you've had to kind of like overhear or watch with the uh, with the with the wife? Um, unfortunately, no, I try to usually watch these pilots with her to, to develop some new interests. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I went through and did Tarantino movies all week. Oh, um, no, so you were asking me, you were talking to me about Tarantino. What did you do all of them or was there just a few that you nailed? Just, just a few. I watched Kill Bill one and two Inglorious Bastards and, um, Django Unchained again and all movies that I had seen, but, um, been a while and I, I listened to a really awesome interview with him, and it just got me in that mood. So I was back on movies this week. But TV, you know, we're going to probably have some mid-season stuff pretty soon. I did watch Saturday Night Live. Again, I was boycotting until <laughs> a couple musical guests kind of broke the boycott for me. And then I like talking about it with you anyway. Larry David um, was really good in his uh, Larry David job. was great. That burn your enthusiasm shit, like, because I'm such a Curb fan, man. Like, they nailed that shit. They nailed Bernie and Larry. Like, it was awesome. I, think, I have I to think, give them credit for that. I think we might have to do an SNL special at the end of the year where we just kind of recap the whole year because I'm sure we both have thoughts about what has occurred over the entire year and the Trump thing and then the really good good hosts and just kind of the wishy-washy-ness of that entire show. How about you, though? Are you on anything else? Um, Well, first off, I wanted to ask you if you have a favorite Tarantino movie. Just number one, top Tarantino. (sighs) Man, you know, I hate hate to do it. I hate to say. I mean, Pulp Fiction. Like, how do you beat that movie on any level? Like... And he that was his second movie or third, I guess, if you count uh, Dust Till Dawn, which yeah, I kind of yeah. don't for some reason, even though it like... Well, he, he, didn't, uh, you he know. didn't direct it. He didn't direct it. It wasn't movie, like so. his whole deal. But, no, no, um, it wasn't his deal. I would say Reservoir is his opener. 
Pulp Fiction then, to his then, death. Yeah, his so, I mean, and you know, there's always like a sophomore slump. Not for him. Like, he hasn't really made a stinker, in my opinion. I mean, some don't do as much box office and all that shit. But, like, even watching those Kill Bills, which are so stylized and, like, spaghetti westerns and that, like, kung fu movies and shit I know nothing about. But I am glued. And I get the references, even though I'm not, like, a huge fan of that stuff. Like, you just culturally, you kind of pick up stuff. And he does such a good job of being accessible. Mm -hmm for regular mainstream dicks like me but then like (laughs) in-depth viewers like you can also be satisfied because you're going to pick up a lot more of that nuance and stuff that is so him you know i just just think that his greatest talent is making dead genres accessible to modern audiences that's really what he's best at um i've been watching the oc we kept watching Uh, it nice we kept watching how's the how's the vibe there everyone liking it I think everybody's liking it, and Sweet. we're on like episode eight or nine. We just got past the first Chrismica. Ah, yes. We're like knee deep in a Seth Cohen uh, love triangle, and Luke's dad um, just just came out as gay. So that's that's a nice little storyline. I forgot. I guess like one of the things I forgot about the OC is just how much happens in the first season. They blow through all their storylines in the first year. Everything. Yeah, yeah, they do. It and then goes they kind at of are... such a lightning pace. Like it goes from the summer to the first day of school to they're already past Christmas. It's insane. How do you feel about that high school? Just watching that, like, because so, you know that's a, it's, real. A, it's a nice high school. <laughs> <laughs> there are schools like that. Not where we went. I wouldn't imagine. No, no. I, there weren't like restaurants you could go to. It's like a Starbucks in the cafeteria and just like, yeah. yeah. You know who was just introduced in the very last episode that we watched? I can give you one guess what the character that's just introduced. Episode 9. Our boy Oliver, baby. Oh, God. What a spaz. (laughs) And that's in the ninth episode. They've burned through everything and they're already introducing what would be their most hated element ever. Very few TV characters make me uncomfortable, like, on a human level. Oliver, oh, man, I had blocked him out. Like, now I'm rushing back to, like, hating that dude. I know. know. So um, our last question, of course, is will you continue to watch this? This might be a good show to introduce to the the wife there. I think I I know I've said this a lot, um, and I've been a liar. I haven't really followed up with any of the Amazon shows or anything, (laughs) but I want to watch. It's very cool. Yeah, it's it's a cool show. I the first couple seasons are definitely worth it. I'm trying to think of if I've continued. I I didn't continue watching any of the Amazon shows. I wasn't crazy about Man in the High Castle, and I think that's the one that I could have continued watching. Like in Heiston, I, I think that was just one episode, wasn't it? That was yeah. Available. And Heiston would was uh, would depend on the cameos, like we talked about. Yeah. So I guess I haven't really dug too much into some of the shows we talked about but this one's definitely one if you're listening this one is worth watching um it's on amazon prime you can get the first two seasons for for your subscription price and i believe it's also on netflix but don't quote me on that it's definitely on amazon that's where i watched it from so uh let's wrap this one up this has been pilot study episode number 13 lucky 13 and of course grimes thank you as always for joining me this has been great yeah no problem man i had fun follow me on twitter I'm oh, yeah. almost at 300 followers. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a that's a big milestone. What's your what's your handle again? It's at underscore Grimes John. Oh, you just revealed your first name, bro. I know. Fuck. Hey, it's for the true fans. 
for my pilot study piece, you know yeah. my you, name is John. Yeah, you know his name is John. Uh, we're at, at Pilot Study Pod on Twitter, and you can also email us at pilotstudypod at gmail.com. We will be checking that to get suggestions and questions and all that good stuff. And if you have a question for us, we'd be glad to dedicate an episode to some reader questions. So if you have anything, send it on over, and uh, we'll answer, and we'll give you a shout-out, and we'll do all that good stuff. All right? All righty. Just a little Kanye update. People wanted me to tweet again. Well, here's some tweets, and he's about to go on a rant. So, you know, if you haven't checked out Kanye West Twitter, that's our last recommendation of the day. See a man come, see a man unravel in real time. <laughs> Poor Kanye. You know he's 53 million in personal debt, fam. We think. All right, we'll talk to you guys later. And, th- of course, thank you for listening to Pilot Study. She's Donna Reed. Hi! Your breath in the living room. June Cleaver. Yeah, I looked in the mirror and I'm getting boobs. And Harriet Nelson. This is why some animals eat their young. Rolled into one. I like it. Finally, a real mother comes to television. Roseanne premieres next.